What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's edition of the Unit Report. I am your host, Troy, along with my co-host, Lucas. Um, this week, we're going to go, we're going to pretty much skim over, I guess, a lot of the sports, just because throughout the different leagues, we've had a lot of um, major developments with um, the NFL getting started and then the um, just a lot of external I guess, influence on the sports world. A lot happened in the past week. I when, when, What day did we do our show, last show, do you remember? Tuesday. Yeah, the 26th. So it's September 3rd now, and a lot has happened in the past week and whatever. So we're just going to get right into it. There's a lot to talk about generally, like you said. A lot of hockey news, so we're definitely going to get into that. Baseball had their trade deadline, so there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, along with uh, some other things later on that we won't get in as uh, deep into. But to start off, uh, we would definitely be remiss if we didn't talk about what probably the thing that shocked all of the sports world over the past uh, week, which was the, there were player protests. The players boycotted games. It started with the Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA. They boycotted their game in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, police reform. They just did not play their playoff game. They, the players just came to a consensus and decided they weren't going to do that. And the rest of the NBA kind of followed with that day and the following day. This happened last week. And it kind of had its shockwaves felt all throughout sports where the MLB uh, peppered in a couple, a couple games that uh, got canceled. They didn't do a full league-wide cancellation like, like the NBA did. But a couple games here and there, players decided that they weren't going to play, so they just canceled some of the games, which isn't that big big of a deal because uh, NB, I mean, the MLB has been had a lot of uh, double headers and cancellations anyway, so it doesn't really impact the schedule that much. Um, the NFL obviously they haven't started yet, and all of their preseason games have been canceled, so there wasn't much there. But there was discussion amongst the players about what they should do. The NHL after the NBA kind of did their thing they uh, decided that they were going to cancel their games as well. And the latest development, which finally got everything kind of going, was that the two top teams in the NBA, the Los Angeles Clippers and Los Angeles Lakers, were both pretty close to leaving the Orlando bubble uh, out of protest of, um, of all the injustice that's been going on. And they were very close to doing it. And there was, if those teams left, they would probably would have canceled the season because they are the two top teams in the NBA right now but they got into onto a uh, call with former president Obama. And he basically was telling him that he thinks the season should go on. It's a good, uh, it, it's, it, it'd be a good thing to have them continue to play because while they're playing, they've also been activists on uh, the back of their jerseys. They've had different sayings like black lives matter, uh, you know, uh, education reform they've had they've been activists throughout this entire uh, weird bubble that they've been doing. So Obama, told them it was a good idea to keep playing. So they're continuing their playoffs. NHL resumed after, I think, two days of cancellation. And everything seems to be back to normal. But that was a big thing that happened over the past week. And uh, it's important to bring it up. I felt like it would have been – it wouldn't have been good if we just pretended it didn't happen. So it happened. And uh, we're happy to see sports back. And we're happy that change is being made. Yeah, we're back on track. I think um, baseball was like definitely the 
I don't want to say the one that was behind, but they that because they've had the most like wishy-washy season, and then with the cancellations, because the NBA really led the um, led the charge here. And then I think I feel like since the since the league stepped in, it was eventually um, the NHL hopped on pretty quickly, and then the uh, MLB. But then they've also had um, <clears throat> to cancel games just because of COVID, and then like the uh, protesting and everything else. So. I think baseball got a lot of backlash just for how delayed everything was. But as of now, everything's back up and running as usual or as however the heck normal is nowadays. So As usual as it can be right now. But so that happened over the past week. That was probably the biggest thing, uh, the most important thing that happened in sports over the past week. And uh uh, this next thing I'm going to talk, we're going to get into a lot of hockey news now. This next thing I um, I think actually happened before we recorded or it may have happened right after, but the Penguins fired all their assistant coaches, um, Jacques Martin, Mark Recchi, Sergei Gonchar. And just this, I think yesterday or two days ago, they hired um, Todd Reardon, the former head coach of the Washington Capitals. Again. And I, they rehired him after being an assistant in the uh, – was it like the early 2010s? I think it was. He was he was part of the Bilesman era. Yeah, he was he was like towards the end of uh, Bilesman's last like couple years, and uh, then they also promoted Mike Vellucci. He uh, he was the head coach of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Baby Penguins, and he will also be an assistant coach. Vellucci is going to oversee the offense and the penalty kill, while Reardon is going to oversee the defense and the power play. And um, a lot of history shows that he that Reardon has been able to kind of like get a lot out of his defenders and he's been able to uplift them whenever there doesn't seem to be a lot left. So maybe there's some something to the fact that he can help make Jack Johnson a playable player, possibly. There's been talk on Twitter about that. And um, he made John Carlson into a superstar defender. He made Matt Niskanen and Brooks Orpik whenever uh, they were in Washington, and I think parts of their time in Pittsburgh too, into very, uh, very good players for the short time that he was with them. So I like these hires. Um, and they also extended their goalie coach. I forget his name uh, off the top of my head right now. So he's staying because like, obviously I think our goalies – I mean, Murray's been inconsistent, but all in all, I think our goalies haven't been terrible. So he gets extended. Reardon and Volucci are now on uh, Sullivan's staff. What do you have to say about all this, Troy? Um, I guess I have more more for the um, goalie insight, whereas obviously I think they made it – it's going to be pretty hard to keep both Murray and Jari, so I think keeping the goalie coach was probably a good decision in the long run because basically getting rid of – one of the two goalies that they have now is already going to, I guess, change things up. And I feel like getting rid of the coach is really going to, I guess, mess with like the little goalie world that they have since they're kind of a, like they're kind of their own thing whenever it comes to like, I guess, practices and stuff, just because it's a completely different position. So I feel like keeping them was a smart idea just for whoever they decide to keep, which I would presume is Jari, but um, yeah, just having someone that I guess they can connect with because ultimately there is going to be a new guy in that role. So I guess, you know, goalies, goalie is kind of that weird position where they don't really, I guess, like change as much as the players and stuff. 
Yeah, and by the way, the Penguins goalie's coach name is Mike Buckley. I don't know why I couldn't think of that, but I think he got an extension. I think it was a two-year extension. I think so. But um, I, I mean, I'm totally fine with that. I, I'm totally in support of that. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how this team runs. The power play was definitely uh, underwhelming, to say the least. When you have the star power that the Penguins have, uh, you expect to be at least like a 20% power play. And especially in that series against Montreal, it was just very underwhelming. They had a, I, I can only think of like one really nice power play goal that they had in that series. And that was the uh, Malkin slap pass to Hornquist where he sniped it from the, uh, from the goal line, basically. But uh, yeah, all in all, I, I like the hires. I, like Washington did not like Reardon as a head coach. They were like very happy whenever he was fired. Uh, as just on Twitter, the Capitals fans were not a big fan of him. But as an assistant, I've seen that uh, it seems like he's going to be a good hire. It seems like he's fine. And, uh, yeah, not much more to say about Todd Reardon. Just happy that we got a, we, we got a group together now. Would you like to move on? Yeah, sure. I think if you just want to touch on the next couple things. Yeah, so this came out – I think this actually came out right whenever uh, – right like, like a day or two after we recorded. And it was the Arizona Coyotes – uh, forfeit their second round draft pick this season and their first next, which is a hefty uh, a hefty penalty because of a NHL combine uh, a violation. Basically, what they were doing is that they were testing play, uh, players at the combine illegally. They were doing they're making them do secret fitness tests and trying to get more information and like more testing out of them than the NHL allows. And this was all under the supervision of their former general manager, John Chaka, who was actually fired or relieved in a very weird turn of events that happened just before the playoffs started. Uh, and now he left and he's been looking for jobs elsewhere. And now the Coyotes are left with the penalty of his wrongdoings, which a second round pick this season and a first next is pretty pretty significant especially if they cannot resign Taylor Hall they'll probably on the be on the brink of a rebuild so not having yeah, your second not having your first in like that kind of retool rebuild really sucks yeah that's what I was going to say is they're kind of on the they're on like that border of being like a playoff team and like just making it so this is really going to end up killing them in the long run because you know the first round might give them that one that one like boost they need to really become like a, I guess they kind of like skim their way into the playoffs. But um, yeah, I think this is really going to hurt where, as if you were on, um, I guess, either other end of the spectrum where you're either really good or really bad, it kind of doesn't really matter. Cause I mean, if you're a rebuild team, yeah, but you're still a rebuild team. So I just think they're very much on the border and I think this is going to definitely hurt them a little bit. Yeah, and um, if they, like, say they miss the playoffs next season, and that, that, that's a lottery pick, they just lose. It doesn't go to anybody. It just is an empty pick. So that means that the odds go up for every other lottery team. And because it doesn't go to any other – it doesn't go to a specific team. It's just – It just skipped. It's just gone. So yeah, pretty crazy and uh, definitely going to hurt that organization in the long run, which is kind of upsetting because uh, I was kind of rooting for them over the past uh, year or so. They got Kessel. They got Hall. Kemper was playing out of his mind this season. 
he was one of, one, one of the top five goalies of the year before he got injured. And it just, it sucks to see that this hap- this happens, but I mean, you know, punishment fits the crime, I guess. I mean, aside from the fact that when I first saw it, I thought it was pretty crazy. They, they, the details of what the exact violation was haven't been released and they may never, but just hearing a, it's a second and a first, that's, so they must have done something seriously wrong like that really messed with the players association and the players and the league just had to step in and say, no, this isn't happening. So that's that. Um, a bit of blues news here. Actually, a lot of blues news. Uh, that rhymes. Vladimir Tarasenko, who has missed a ton of time with injuries over the past few years. He's out five months again with his third shoulder surgery. So th- he's their star offensive player, or at least he uh, has been. He is probably the most skilled uh, forward that they have, even though last year uh, in, the, in our playoff run, Ryan O'Reilly really stepped up. I still think uh, Vlad's the most skilled forward. It sucks they're going to be without him again. And this uh, regular season's going to start up again, and he's going to be out again. That's how long he's going to be out, is this offseason's going to come and go, and he's still going to be recovering from that shoulder surgery. So they're going to be down him. And just speaking of Blues being down, their general manager actually had his end-of-season press conference over this past couple, like week. And he said that leading up to the Blues getting into the bubble up in Edmonton, 20% of the players had COVID, of the organization, I think, he said, had COVID. So they're trying to repeat. They put everything they could into trying to get into the repeat, and uh, but they ended up losing off. And 20% of them had COVID. That's that's pretty astounding. What do you think about that? That's a pretty high number. But at that point, I don't know, because at that point, it almost has to be like an, like it's definitely spreading like internally. So I guess them kind of getting into that bubble definitely helped them just with the daily testing and all those – and all like the protocols and stuff in place. I feel like that definitely helped because – I don't. I mean, 20%, if it's of an organization, that is a pretty good amount of people. Yep, and uh, but uh, they've all since recovered. A lot of teams um, reported like just the number of COVID uh, cases, and a lot of them were on like like two or three people in the organization had it. But twenty handful. Yeah, but twenty percent is pretty. I don't think the Penguins have. uh, I I don't know if they actually mentioned that if they ever had any COVID cases, and they may never. But for uh, the general manager to admit that, it can. uh, And it might be kind of a. like a, not an excuse per se, but like a reason why they didn't perform as well, because we don't know the long-term effects of, uh, of COVID yet. They could have been, uh, you know, if they actually like showed symptoms of, uh, of the COVID, I mean, their lungs could have been not the same and playoff hockey. You need, you need to be a hundred percent lung capacity. You're skating up. You can uh, remember the uh, Columbus Tampa game where they uh, Seth Jones played like 80 minutes that game. You know, they need people, you need to be uh, 100% fresh and you need, you, you need to be able to work your ass off. And if they, if these players had the COVID, it's a good reason why they may not have performed as well as they were expecting. Two more things about the Blues. Uh, the big question mark around them is their captain, Alex Petrangelo, who is a pending unrestricted free agent. Uh, a lot of talk has been made about whether they're going to be able to afford to keep him or not. His contracts will probably going to be around the nine million range, and uh, from uh, Darren Dreger of TSN, 
uh, he said that the Blues made an offer this past week, and it's early in the process, but a lot of work needs to be done. So the player and the team are probably far apart on an extension. There's a lot of teams that would love to have uh, him on their team, on their back end. He's one of the premier defenders in this league. But just yesterday, they, the Blues are doing their part to try to clear up space for Petrangelo, where they traded Jake Allen, former starting goaltender, but now backup for, uh, I guess, the Habs now. They traded him to the Habs for, I think it was a third and a seventh round pick or something like that. So what do you think? Do you think they're making room for Petrangelo? I don't know. Maybe. I feel like the Blue – I don't know because I feel like they're kind of in like an awkward position where you're like what to – I don't know. I don't really know what to make of this. This is definitely one that's throwing me off because I feel like there's a, quite a few teams that are just now with everything going on where they're kind of in like the – like a weird mix of if they're – like what kind of moves they want to make. Just because of this season – this season obviously was very strange, but then even next year making a cup run, considering it's only going to be, the season's going to be basically pushed up, what, three months? So at max, they make they might get in like a 50, 55 game season. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's still, what, 20 something games that you're not playing. So I don't really know what to make of this. I mean, I think it makes sense for St. Louis because uh, that's $4 million like more that they'll be able to spend, and they're right up against it anyways. So trying to fit in Petrangelo was going to be tough, but this makes it a little easier for them to breathe. I just don't understand from Montreal's perspective because they're paying $10 million for Carey Price, who I believe is either the first or second highest paid goaltender in the league. It's either him or Bobrovsky. And now – you're putting $4 million into a backup. So immediately, that's the highest paid goalie tandem in the league, like bar none. So I'm not really following what Montreal is doing here, unless they plan on trying to shop Carey Price around, which wouldn't make sense because of how many goalies are available this off this offseason. They're not going to get much for him, especially with how hefty his price tag is, uh, the cap-wise. I don't really understand why Montreal would do this. Do, do you have any idea? Um, I don't know. I really don't. But the only thing I'm thinking that has completely nothing to do with what we're talking about, but doesn't Seattle pick this year? Because you brought up the goalie market and, like, how many – just, like, the variety that, there's going, that there is going to be. It's ne- next season. So like, is it next season? So like next Jul- like this next July, like the twenty twenty one. Okay, so it's not this. Okay, or June. I, was, I thought I for some reason I thought they picked this year. I was gonna say this is definitely one time for them to snag up like a Carey Price or something like it. Yeah, I'm not sure when they're gonna be able to start making moves. I know Vegas. I think signed their first player like Mar- the March before they were uh, like getting doing their expansion draft and everything. And it was just a junior player. So it didn't really matter. But um, yeah, there's some, we're going to talk about that probably next episode about the goalie market and how crazy insanely flooded it is. But I was just looking uh, earlier today and there are a lot of teams in on Matt Murray, which as a penguin fan is amazing because the more teams that are in, the more competition there is, the higher price tag it's going to be. Maybe we can make up some assets that we uh, wasted on Kasperi Kapanen. So 
let that happen. Let us sign Jari. I'm all good with that. We're not going to get too deep into it, but uh, Matt Murray is definitely available along with a lot of goalies. So not sure what the deal with Montreal is. We're going to have to wait and see how that plays out. Um, a little bit of Leafs news here. Uh, apparently, I, I forget where. It was from The Athletic I read this. Seven different teams were uh, talked to the Leafs about Kasperi Kapanen before they eventually traded him to the Penguins last week. So the hefty price tag on him, the first and Philip Hollander and uh, Rodriguez and Warsawski, makes a little more sense now because there was an apparent bidding war for him. And I guess Rutherford uh, got caught up in the emotion of a bidding war and decided to give them every young asset that we have possible. That's the only explanation for why we gave up a first and our top forward prospect. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what else to say about that. That's just, it, may, it just makes me mad because we gave up so much for like a third line winger, but I don't know. Do you have anything to say about what happened? Um, not really. I guess just with the Leafs, I heard there was that weird rumor where it was, I guess it was like a, it's a three-way trade between, it would be the Penguins, the Leafs, and I think it was the Blackhawks where basically it would be Murray to Toronto, Anderson to um, Chicago, and then the Penguins somehow pick up a defenseman. Defenseman? I have not Something heard Something like that. I saw that. I forget. Someone tweeted it. Let me look up Leafs. I think it was TSN, actually. Ben's Hawks trade. Let me see here. Quiet draft pick in three. No, that's not it. Um, I, I have not heard of this personally, but. I think it was TSN that tweeted it like two days ago. Huh. Interesting. I. I don't know anything. Like, just looking. Are you sure it was a defenseman? I, I, I think that's what the wording was. I don't. It was literally just a tweet that I skimmed by, and I saw something, and I was like, "That could definitely work." Just looking. Like, at, if they could somehow figure out a way to pull that off, because you know how defensive heavy Chicago is. Yeah. And that would almost kind of please everybody if that worked out. Well, to be honest, actually, I'm not. There's nobody really, no defender on Chicago that makes sense for the Penguins. I mean, Duncan Keith is 37, and he signed for the next four years. And you, so you don't want to touch that contract. Maybe you do if you're, if you're uh, Rutherford and you just don't give a, give a damn anymore. Um, Calvin DeHaan has three years left at 4.5, and he's 29. Eh, not really. I mean, Ole Mata has four, uh, four million for the next three years. No, no. Well, hold, hold up. Completely random thought. Do you remember the joke I made last episode where I said JR is trying to assemble the old team? Yeah. And we somehow ended up bringing back Reardon is now back. Kapanen is now back. Yeah. Oli is coming back. And Benino's next. We're just going to try to recreate that the uh, 16 team. I think I I said that as a joke, but at this point, I mean, I since, could, since you Murray said for it, Murray. We're, we're doing the exact opposite. Murray is going to Vegas, and Flurry's coming back. You know, we're just going to basically undo everything that we did in the past four years or I, 
three years. I was going to say, do you know what's funny about that is, well, since you first mentioned it, because you, you said it in response to the Kapanen trade, so like that had happened. But then since you've said it, they got reared in. I've seen on Twitter people like honestly suggest not Murray for Flurry, but Mur- but Flurry's being shopped. We're gonna trade Murray. I don't think it's gonna be a tr- like a trade, but there's definitely been conversations about that. But the thing with that is is that you have to sign Jari. Jari's gonna want at least three and a half, four million because he performed really well this year. I think you could probably get him around three, three and a half because he. You can just use the excuse that he had one season. He hasn't really proved a whole lot other than being an all-star, which is something. But um, Flurry has is a, his contract is seven million, either ne- just next year or there might be an additional year on that. So you can't, you cannot justify. Well, I don't even think they can make it work like money-wise. They'd have to. Um, they would literally have to retain salary Vegas. And I don't know if they want to do that because they're going to need some – oh, it's for – oh, man. Oh, wait, no, no, I see. Yeah, it's next year and the following year at $7 million. And their other goalie, Robin Leonard, is a UFA, and he's going to want a lot of money. So maybe they trade Flurry with some money retained to re-sign Leonard because Leonard has been very good for them. But he's going to want a lot of money. I don't, I don't want Flurry, honestly. I don't – that's no. I think th- I think we had like when it first happened, there was definitely like that emotional thing. But I feel like that ship has kind of sailed. So I don't know. Oh, I agree with you, but there is still a lot of people online that are saying um, that we should get him back, and I wholeheartedly disagree. Um, that's we're, the whole point of trading Murray is so we're not paying two goalies big money. That's the whole point here. Is we, we identify one goalie who's going to be our starter and maybe go out and sign a backup for cheap or, now hear me out, Casey DeSmith. He's still Jack a, Johnson. Jack Johnson. Okay. We just stick him in front of the net and then just hope someone bashes all of his teeth in so he can't talk whenever they renegotiate his contract. Okay, I'm I, I don't I, I don't agree with that. That's that's too violent for me. I'm I'm, I'm I don't want my name attached to that. Anyway, I, I mean he's 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 obviously pretty good at scoring goals using like for other teams. I mean, he used he uses his skates, he angles some right in. I mean, I think he'd be pretty damn good. All jokes aside, I honestly do think Casey DeSmith is a suitable backup. I think you trade Murray and you don't touch anyone else unless you can get, because of how many goalies are going to be on the open market, you could probably get a pretty good backup for around a million. I can see that being justified, but you, if you go and get a guy like Flurry, it doesn't, I also saw Leaf, uh, Leaf fans suggesting a uh, Murray for Anderson. And Anderson, I think, is making $5 million. That doesn't make any sense either. That doesn't help. The whole, that makes it worse slightly. The, he's making $5 million on the dot just for next year. The whole point is, is that next year, Rutherford said they're not going to be a cap team. If they're not going to be a cap team, then obviously they're only going to be paying one goalie. They've, they've identified one of the goalies that we have right now. Everyone's saying it's going to be Jari and Murray's gone. For all we know, it could be the other way around. But the answer is internally. We're not going to go out and go sign Holtby or Markstrom 
or Leonard, or we're not going to trade for Anderson or Flurry. It doesn't make any sense to me. The answer is in, in, in the team. It's on the roster, and it's going to – I if I had it my way, it's Jari DeSmith all next season unless one of them gets injured, and then you make moves accordingly. But you don't plan for that. You don't go and waste money if you don't need to. Yeah, I think having the shortened season is definitely going to help them be able to, like, get this figured out because – even if you do the Jari to Smith thing, if one of them gets hurt, we are really SOL. Like, I don't even know who you would put to fill that in. Well, let me look on the on the depth chart right here after um, – yeah, because uh, the Smith was buried in Wilkes-Barre this year. So after – so Murray's gone. It would be Jari to Smith. Who's after them? After them, you have Emil Larmy, who is a Finnish goalie. I think he was the backup in Wilkes-Barre this year. But he actually was in the bubble with the Penguins because they carried four goalies. And then Alex Diorio, don't know much about him, but he signed on an uh, entry-level contract for the next three years. So don't pay million dollars for a backup, I don't think. I think get a number three AHL starter, but NHL caliber NHL starter. I mean, AHL starter, someone that can, you can call up if you need to. I just don't think wasting money. We're not going to have the money to waste on that. So let me look and see at the ghoulies that are going to be available and scroll down. I'm going to scroll down because none of the guys at the top are guys that I want on this team. Hopi Crawford, Leonard, Craig Anderson, Jimmy Howard, none of – I don't care how much money – I'm not signing Jimmy Howard. Markstrom, Grice, Talbot, uh, Gudobin, those guys are all going to make money. And then you get to Mike Condon, Brian Elliott, Aaron Dell, Keith Kincaid, Laurent Brassois, Louis Domingue, Ryan Miller. That's the tier of goalies we need to sign, someone like that, if it's like around a million dollars. That's the only excusable goalie – that we signed to me because, or we acquire because trading for Flurry, trading for Anderson doesn't help the Pittsburgh Penguins at all. Doesn't. It just doesn't. Not really. Yeah. We came to this by talking about the Leafs having seven teams want to spare a captain. Uh, one more thing about the Leafs before we move on is that former head coach of the Capitals, of the Ducks, and of the Minnesota Wild. Bruce Boudreau, the king of the curse word, is interested in joining the Toronto Maple Leafs as an assistant coach. He did say, however, they haven't reached out to him, but the idea has been floated around on Leafs Twitter about bringing in Boudreau because that's his childhood team. It was, he was a Leafs fan growing up, and the idea is very interesting to him. And Leafs fans are very interested in having him because uh, for how offensive of a team they are, of uh, they, they haven't been producing as much as they think that they can. Boudreaux can come in and work on the power play as well. There's a very underwhelming power play. So you bring in Bruce Boudreaux, I think it's a good thing for the Leafs. And I, he'd have to take a pay cut because he's going from being a head coach everywhere he's been to now going back to being an assistant, but kind of just assembling the Avengers there. If they get uh, Bruce Boudreaux as an assistant coach, I think that's pretty awesome. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I feel like he's still kind of in that, like, he's in, like, that weird 
I don't, I don't know what you would call it. He's just in like that weird time where it's like he kind of just left. So like I feel like they kind of need he needs to take like another year to let everything like I don't want to say fade away, but like he just needs to like take some time and chill before he starts doing this kind of stuff. I mean, I I understand what you're saying, what you're saying, <clears throat> excuse me, what you're saying, but um, of all of the good coaches, uh, I guess good hockey coaches that have been uh, fired or relieved over the past year, he's one of the only ones that hasn't been caught saying anything racist or anything offensive. So uh, you look at what Babcock did with uh, making, Mar- like basically bullying uh, Mitch Marner and with how, how that whole story went down. And then Bill Peters, who was racist towards Akeem Aliu and other of his players, or just abusive as a coach. Um, Bruce seems like the one guy that I could see getting back behind a bench next year. Um, maybe not as a head coach. I think he, he could get a head coaching job if he wanted it, but I think what would suit him best would be being an assistant in Toronto because he's always been the head guy everywhere he's gone. And he's been one of those guys that hasn't been able to get past a game seven. He's had the terrible luck, as have the Toronto Maple Leafs. So this would be kind of weird marriage where they both are looking to get over the hump and he would be in a, in a reduced role, less stressful. It's a, it's an idea. And I think it's worth exploring. Yeah. See what happens, I guess. I guess it's just pick the better of the evils at this point. I'm going to move this real quick because the next thing I want to talk about is the Nick Ritchie boarding hit. Okay. Do, do you want to get into and, and explain how this happened? Um, so I, I don't know how to, ex- like how to explain it, but basically what happened, who was it on? I don't remember. Who it was, was on Yanni, Yanni Gord. That was it. Yeah. Cause I remember, um, texting you this. So basically what happened is, um, I think it was third period. I want to say it was third period, but the, it was pretty intense. What happened? Yanni Gord has the puck. He made a pass, and I think it was a good two or three seconds later, um, Richie of the Bruins comes in and just launches him into the boards. Basically, like he pretty much came from the he came from behind him, and then it was the it is the literal definition of boarding. Like he came in from behind him, and then from the side, he hit him, but he just. Uh, Gord happened to be like it was almost like that perfect distance from the boards to whenever he fell, it was it was head first. Yep. Like it was it's pretty much about as bad as you can get. Yeah, it was I, I remember you texted it to It's I, hard to watch. It I was, was it was hard to watch. I was at work and I was uh I, I wasn't able to actually watch the game, but then you texted it to me and I went on Twitter right away and because I, I thought you were exaggerating and I was like, Oh, this is you know just try being try. I'm just kidding. But I, I looked at it and I saw it and I immediately told you, I think I was, uh, my response was like Jesus or something like that. It was, the hit was very late in the position in which he, which Gord's head hit the boards and then he was just laying there. It's so scary to watch. And that's the exact kind of hit the NHL wants out of the game because it was so late. He, he made a, the conscious decision to follow through with the hit after Gord already no longer had the puck for, like you said, a solid, like second and a half, two seconds. 
he had he he could have made a decision to just change course, just like run into him like his body, and then he just it would have been more like a I don't know, just like a like a face plant like into the I don't know, like a it would body be like more of a shove at that point. It would, it would, it would, more of a, if you hit him with his hip, worst that happens is he like basically his legs give out and he kind of goes it in that way. But this way, I mean, Richie's a pretty big guy. He's so a big boy. It's like, big boy. The way he hit him, he he basically came from like it wasn't a hit from behind, but he basically hit him in like I guess it would be the back of the shoulder. It, it was blindsided. The best way I could, yeah. Like yeah, he hit him to the point of where um Gord didn't even see him. And then that it, it Gord just happened to be like that perfect distance where whenever he went down, it was his head that was the first thing to make contact with the boards. And as you'd expect, uh the NHL Department of Player Safety charged Nick Ritchie with nothing. He did nothing wrong. That was a perfectly clean hit other than being a five-minute major, which baffles me. And I, I even commented on it about it on um, Sportsnet's Instagram. I, 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 I commented, I was like, that was one of the worst hits I've ever seen. Can't wait for the players, uh, the player, Department of Player Safety to give him a $5,000 fine. They didn't even do that. They gave him nothing. Absolutely well, nothing. In all fairness, what's $5,000 when you're making? It, it was a joke. It's a parking ticket. I, I know, but it was. I was yeah. joking because I was like, oh, that's going to be like how little they penalized him. They didn't even do that. They didn't no, even. That, that's like the littlest amount of punishment I could see, and they didn't even do that. I was making a joke about, about like how, how blasé they'll be about it, and they were even less blasé than I expected. They didn't do anything. Which it is, is kind absolutely of astonishing, but makes me really upset. And uh, I actually haven't heard. Let me see if Yanni Gord's okay. I don't know if he's played since or not. Let me. I think he. I thought he did. Um. I I don't know. I haven't looked. I didn't see anything. And of course, my phone's ringing now. Let me go see what that is real quick. Talk. Phenomenal. All right. Um. Moving on. Uh, Sidney Crosby had wrist surgery. So he will be up three to four weeks. Um, that I don't even think will impact this season at all, but I guess that also helps feed into what happened with the Penguins because Malkin also had surgery. So I, I guess this is kind of feeding into, like, why they had the – I guess the ending that they had, but – um, I don't know still. It just ultimately comes down to the whole team just didn't perform very well. And then um, GM Jim Rutherford confirms that Schultz will not return this season. So Pens are, I guess, actively looking for a defenseman because they I, – I think this I, – I, I, I don't even know if you call it playoffs because they didn't make it. This thing or whatever the heck it was – didn't even this definitely showed where their weak spots were. Yeah, I it was kind of expected that uh, Schultze would be gone. He's a UFA. He's going to want big money, and all along uh, during these uh, post game press conferences during the bubble, they they put the blame on Schultz. They like they would not have any like thing bad to say about Jack Johnson, but they would always blame everything on Justin Schultz. Uh, so kind of makes sense that he's moving on. I get it. And um, I don't know where he's going to sign. He's going to make big money. He's a right-handed defenseman, offensive. 
But they kind of have their top two right-handed defensemen in Latang and Marino. So they definitely don't need to pay Schultz what he's going to want. Uh, they're probably going to look for more like of a defensive responsive, defensively responsible third-pairing right-handed D-man. I don't know who that could be, but I'm not the one who gets paid to sign them. So that's I'm sure we'll problem. see in the next month or so. We shall. Um, we'll talk more about the ghoulie stuff next episode. There's a lot to talk about there, about who's going where. Um, I think, just real quick aside, I think that with what happened in the NFL this year with quarterbacks moving around, that's what's going to happen with goalies in the NHL, where that Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, James Winston, Cam Newton, all these guys that everyone's used to seeing in certain uniforms moved around, that's going to happen with goalies. They're, they're going to be goal, like goalies that you're so used to being in certain uniforms somewhere else, and it's going to, it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I like when uh, there's chaos. It's, it's fun to see. Keeps things interesting. Would you like to talk about the uh, – we're going to move on to the baseball. Would you like to talk about the first one? Um, so, yeah. So, basically, with whenever the NHL and um, NBA came back, they went with the bubble format, and I think that definitely has shown that it has it was the right direction to go because they have either eliminated all COVID cases or – definitely like minimized the amount of cases that they had. And I think there was a idea that the MLB would do this for playoffs and they would use what I, was it Houston in Los Angeles? I think what they're planning on doing is um, they're going to do like, uh, like they're putting in areas where there are two stadiums, like within, like a close proximity. So Texas yeah. would be with Houston and Arlington's new stadium. Uh, and then also, and then in LA, I think they wanted to do Anaheim and Dodger stadium. They, I guess you could throw San Diego in there if you really wanted a third. I don't think they're going to need a third stadium. I think it's just going to be the two. So at the plan was, is the NL goes to Texas, which is kind of interesting because both of the teams stadiums are AL in the Minute Maid Park and Globe Life Park. But I guess that's just, you know, just what you got to do. And then in uh, SoCal, L.A. area, it would be the AL. So that'll be interesting to see if that actually comes to fruition. I think it will. I think that's the best way to do it because I'm surprised they're doing the regular season right now the way that they're doing it. It's pretty insane to me that they're just going from city to city. It's part of the reason why Toronto wasn't able to play in Toronto this season. But is what it is. Uh, I think it'll... If they go through with it, it's, I think it's a great idea, good call. But we shall see in the coming weeks because I think there's only like 30 days of regular season baseball left anyways. We're in September. So we'll, uh, that's going to come up before you know it. Yeah, I'm, also, I'm surprised they didn't try to put like, I guess like New York or something because then you could use like the Yankees Mets type deal. That's what that's what I was I, thinking too. I was thinking like that might be a little bit easier, but it's also New York, so you know, I don't know. I guess taking them out of the big city, but then in all fairness you're going if they end up using Los Angeles, then it's sort of like you're doing the same thing. So it's like I, I think, don't know. I think density might have something to do with it because LA is a lot more spread out maybe. I guess, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's still, 
You know what I mean? It's two huge cities, so. But if if it's a bubble, it sh- I mean they should be able- it should be okay. Maybe finding ho- hotel space in New York is a hard is harder than LA. Who knows? But um, we're gonna get into some Padre stuff and uh, just just something I wanted to mention is that if you've been following the MLB on social media uh, over the past few years, like a year or two ago, their their guy that they promoted every day was Javier Baez, shortstop of the Chicago Cubs. And over the past, since this uh, season started, they have been drooling over Fernando Tatis Jr. He's one of the exciting young faces of baseball. I think he's tied for the lead in home runs. I think he might be leading the league in RBIs, or he's damn close to it. And everyone on that Padres team is absolutely raking this year. Like the team they've assembled – it was a lot of young guys, a lot of inexperienced guys, and then they went out and made some trades at the deadline. Do you want to get into these? Yeah, so the big trade is between – I guess the biggest one would be between the Padres and the Indians where the Padres acquired Mike Clevenger, which I don't know if this has something to do with, like, his recent – Incident, or whatever you want to call it, with, like, everything that's happened. I don't know if that helped feed into it, but I thought this was definitely a weird one. You're, you're Jason talk- Cash. Well, you're talking what? about him, uh, him like, going out during COVID. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if this, like, helped feed, feed into it. Jason Castro, Austin Nola, and Mitch Moreland. Yeah, those were all separate trades. They – uh I thought they had a good uh, catching depth. Like uh, they had Francisco, uh, was it Miha, Meha? I forget. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. And Austin Hedges. And I thought that was a good duo behind the plate, but they were not happy with it at all. And they totally redid it, getting Jason Castro and Austin Nola. And then uh, with the rebuilding Red Sox, they sell off Mitch Moreland and they acquire the, and uh, the Padres take advantage of that and they acquire the big bat from him. I thought that one was a little weird because kind of the exact same player that makes more they already have in Eric Hosmer. I think that they're very comparable players, left-handed power hitting first baseman, but they want, I guess they wanted more of a power bat uh, and they went and go get him. The Clevenger thing is interesting. I don't think uh, him with the whole COVID thing is, I don't think that's the reason why I think they were kind of shopping. I just wonder if it like helped, like if it, like, yeah, there's, there's like a question about his maturity. If that's yeah. like a, a problem that you have to worry about with him, you know, obviously then some, that's something. But also it just seems like the Indians are going into a full-on rebuild. They, they let Kluber go. They let Bauer go. Now they let Clevenger go. Lindor is next. I think Lindor is going to be shopped this offseason and uh, maybe into the I'm, start of next season. I'm just very confused with what Cleveland is doing because, like, they somehow are figuring out how to produce pitchers. I mean, they have Shane Bieber right now, who is the best or definitely one of the best pitchers right now. And he was like a nobody a couple years ago. Like he was like a just slap him on the back end of rotation. And it just seems like ever since the Kluber one started it, and then just with everything else going on, he stepped up. Um, Carrasco stepped up. Yep. It's just like for a team that's going into a rebuild, like if they kept all this around, they would have had like, because I, re- I remember it was them and the Astros probably like two years ago where like 
that was the pitching matchup. I mean, they were just insane. And now it's like they got rid of everybody, and they're still somehow hanging out up top. But then it's also they have every other position that they're trying to figure out. Yeah, as we speak, they are first in the AL Central. They're 23-14. and 14. They're a game up on the White Sox, who are another really young, exciting team. They're the AL Padres, in my, in my opinion. But um, the Indians still look like they're going to be a playoff team, especially with the way how expanded the playoffs are this year. Um, Chicago, the White Sox are a game back. The Twins are a game and a half back. So – there's definitely a chance that they could slip out of the top spot or like slip out of the playoffs. But as it stands now, they're, they are a playoff team. It's really interesting that they're just, they keep trading off and they are continuing continuously. It's like, a they, good it's team. like, yeah, it's like they somehow managed to literally trade majority of their starters and they are, we are somehow at the current moment in the number one in the AL central. And they still have like, like they're still one of the, I don't want to say better rotations, but like way better than some of them. Oh, they're 100 better like, than the Pirates. Oh yeah, but so is everybody. Um, Shane Bieber alone would be like is better than like all of our combined starting pitchers. Yeah, well, we're getting into that with the whole Musgrove and everything else, but um. Oh yeah, oh, do, you, do you want to move on from? If you want, to, you want to go ahead and feed into that. Well, um, we'll get into that one in one second. I just wanted to talk about the uh, Diamondbacks who took advantage of the trade deadline, and they are p- performing very poorly. Uh, their winning percentage is third last in the National League behind yours truly, Pittsburgh Pirates, and the reigning champion, Washington Nationals, which is just weird um, how those are the bottom two in the NL. It just feels like old times again. But um, – the Diamondbacks take advantage and they actually trade away their assets, unlike the Pirates and the Nationals, who were pretty quiet on deadline day. But the Diamondbacks trade Robbie Ray. He's going to Toronto. Starling Marte went to the Miami Marlins, so which is pretty fitting for him because they're very uh like a very like Latino, his Hispanic uh driven uh, team and organization is being in Miami. So he well, he's probably going to feel a lot more at home there than he did in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But um, And then they also trade away Archie Bradley to the, was it the, the Cincinnati Reds? Yeah. And, he, and he's going to the Reds too. So the Reds are making a run for it and they're adding to their bullpen. So Padres are just taking everybody. Diamondbacks are give, giving, getting rid of everybody. And a team that I'm, I'm a fan of, but I did not expect to be in the position that they're in right now or the trade deadline, the Toronto Blue Jays, they went out and bought, and bought at the deadline. Like I said, they got their left-handed uh, starter, Robbie Ray. They got Ross Stripling. They got Jonathan Villar from the Miami Marlins. And they also got um, Taiwan Walker at the uh, – they bought him from the, Mar- the Mariners, I think a week before the deadline. And they were very close on a Joe Musgrove deal with the Pirates, apparently. It, en- it ended up not coming to, uh, coming to be, but they were very close. They're trying to acquire another starter in that. So um, they already got Hinjin Ryu. They got Robbie Ray, Ross Stripling. Uh, the, so they're tr- they were trying to go big on their rotation here in this deadline. And because of how like wonky the playoffs are going to be, they think they have a real shot at it, just like the Padres do and the White Sox do. So... It's going to be interesting down the line here and seeing how this all works out. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like with the with what you said, like the Diamondbacks, I feel like they've kind of been like that weird team that's been like trying to rebuild for like years. 
and it just doesn't seem to catch on. Like, it's really strange just that, like, their position, because, like, it seems like the past couple of years it's just been, like, sell, 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 and it's, like, I don't know. I don't really know what to make of it. You're talking about the Diamondbacks, right? Yeah. It's funny. Their, their thing is always sign expensive player, trade expensive player, repeat. Yeah, it's like they're trying to rebuild, and it's just like this endless loop. I, I don't know. I don't really get it. But they, they, had Star, they had Starling Marte play, what, 30 games for them? He was traded. He wasn't signed. And yeah. then they, they gave up some good prospects for him, and then they just got rid of him for a lot less value than they gave up to get him. A few years ago, they signed Zach Granke to a huge contract and proceeded to trade him to Houston. And this past offseason, they signed Madison Bumgarner. He hasn't been moved yet, but we'll see. You know, see, yeah, this time next year, who knows? But yeah, yeah he'll be he'll be somewhere else. I think yeah. that's all for baseball news. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, I'm gonna I'll get into the football stuff, and then you can do the NASCAR stuff. Well, so we have that, and just like the tennis, we'll we'll just touch on that stuff. But so uh, the biggest news that came out of football, other than the uh, like Black Lives Matter protest stuff that happened, was is that the ja- Jacksonville Jaguars, who are going full tank mode, they actually traded uh, Ronnie Harrison, their one of their star safe, well their star safety, to the Browns earlier today. I forgot to write that down. So, and they also released their star running back, Leonard Fournette, who was an absolute stud in college with uh, Louisiana State. He's he had a great first year, first few years in the NFL. And they tried trading him this past uh, offseason. No one would bite on him. So they just decided to wave and release him. And immediately, the star-studded Tampa Bay Buccaneers sign him. So he just has to take a bus from Jacksonville to Tampa and move his stuff. And he's and with Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski. And that offense is a little scarier than it was last week with Leonard Fournette on the backfield. And... The only other NFL news that really happened this week is happened this morning is Kirk Cousin uh, when talking about who overrated quarterback as it is. I'm not sure why people care about what he's saying uh, <laughs> of the Vikings says uh, about COVID. If I die, I die. That's it. Yeah, see for like, um, yeah. So this is kind of the thing where it's like everyone complains that they like want a season and then they try really hard. And then it's like, you have this where it's like, you know, we're going to do this bubble thing with no fans. So you guys can play. And then, and then this guy's like, I'm just going to go do whatever I want. And if I end up six feet under, Oh, well, I feel like it's just the, it's just, I don't know. Like, if you work, I don't know. Like, because ultimately, it's like, if you get it, you're putting your whole team out of commission, and then, I mean, we saw it with baseball, literally. It's like, like, look at the Marlins and Phillies and stuff. It was just like, a couple people got it, boom, done. And I feel like just, even, at, like, going into it with this mentality, you're asking for a disaster. Because you're already in a bubble isolated from your family and stuff already. So it's like you kind of have to fully commit to this if you want to play. And I feel like having this mentality definitely doesn't help with the NFL. But in all fairness, the NFL seems to have – it definitely seems to be the most, like, 
open league where the players like express outside of the N- the NBA, but yeah. like they definitely show more of their personality and like I guess their thoughts on other stuff like politics and all that kind of stuff. Like they definitely fill bigger shoes than just being an athlete on the field, and that's kind of been the thing with the NFL. But uh, yeah, having this mentality, it's kind of that's not good. It just seems irresponsible from a person that has influence. I mean, as much as I was joking about how he's an overrated quarterback, he's still one of the highest paid players in the NFL. He's a quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings who, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't the George Floyd thing in Minnesota? Wasn't all the protests that started in Minnesota? Weren't they the ones that started the NBA um that was Milwaukee or Milwaukee rather. So everyone is like doing their part. Well, I mean, Milwaukee's Wisconsin, it's close. And that's where uh, the, the most recent uh, thing with the police shooting happened. Uh, that was in, that not, well, no, it wasn't Milwaukee, but it was Wisconsin. So a general area, but besides the point, everyone else in his, in his position, in his area, or is you, or they're using their influence for good. And then he goes and does this. And this is one of those you just need to shut up and like if you're not gonna say anything to like support what they're doing, just shut up. That's exactly it. Like uh just I don't know, just shut up. But it's, it's, uh, it's irresponsible whatever. and everyone on uh, everyone on Twitter or like a lot of people on Twitter are just like he he's just saying like what he thinks is how he feels. It doesn't matter what he thinks or what he feels, it's for the greater good that's a terrible mentality to have if you go out in public and you're just like if i die i die okay but you can be killing joe and like stan and marty you could be killing so many other people that's your mentality of just oh if i die i die personally i don't wear a mask to protect myself like i said i think i would probably be okay but maybe i wouldn't be because i've had lung problems in the past i don't know and i don't want to find out but I don't care that much about myself. I care about giving it to my family. I care about giving it to people that I work with. Like I, people that are older than you. Pe- people that are at risk. Just don't be selfish. Don't be a selfish dick. And that's all that quote says to me is that Kirk Cousins is a millionaire selfish prick that doesn't care about other people. That's all it says to me. But yeah. you don't need to comment on uh, that if you don't want to. Um, do you want to move on to, I guess, the... It is our other section where it's basically sports that aren't, I guess, mainstream or they're yeah. definitely not on like the. This, uh, is the you're, you're, this is your alley, not me. This isn't my thing. But anyway, we'll move on um, to just touch on it. NASCAR, uh, I believe they're the only, I don't want to say league or whatever, but like they're the only sport that has fans. And they moved their last regular season race to Daytona which happened on Saturday, they had 20,000 fans. And, yeah, because I know that place holds, I think, over 100,000. So they essentially – I think it was a little over 20,000. So, like, you, we can just say they, like, quartered it. But yeah. I don't know. The, I, they, it's still too soon to come out with, like, who got it and who didn't. Because I believe some – band held a concert and like 150 people ended up catching it or something ridiculous but um yeah so that's the only i guess sport that is allowing fans and then there was a 
big thing with the um, Black Lives Matter movement between um, with Bubba Wallace, who is the I believe he's the only black driver in NASCAR, but all the yeah. drivers and everyone managed to rally around him, which you know NASCAR isn't exactly the most diverse sport on the face of the planet. So I guess it is kind of nice to see that they're starting to like get with the times, I guess. But I don't know. At least they're saying, at least their drivers are saying something and they're not saying if I die, I die, and you know, blah, 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 with coronavirus and stuff. At least they're showing support for the movement. Yeah. Um, anyway, moving on, we have tennis, which ironically I don't think we've ever brought up. Ever, but um, I guess the big deal here is is essentially all the players are end up to my knowledge. This could be completely wrong, but all the players are essentially independent contractors and kind of run their own gig. But I guess a few of the star players basically formed their own like. Do you call it a union or like whatever it is? I'd say like players association. That's probably yeah. more like athletic, more, like more of the sport way of saying it. Yeah. They basically just got together and formed their own thing. And I guess that's like the new league or players association or whatever you want to call it. That's still really developing, but I thought that was kind of, that was rather strange. Uh, it's, it's definitely interesting. And I think it was started by Novak Djokovic, I believe, who's, one of the star tennis players of today. I mean, his name is probably up there right underneath Roger Federer, but, um, and like the, the, uh, Williams sisters, but definitely, uh, it's interesting. It's good to see that they're, uh, going out there and, uh, trying to get themselves represented and, uh, you know, you know, make, make that money. I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know the motives behind all of it because I'm not, I did not read up very much on this. I didn't know you were even going to bring it up until we started, but, I just skimmed over it. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, good for them, you know? Yeah. Other than that, um, I don't know, any final thoughts? You wrote down, kind of, you wrote down golf. Was there something about golf you want to Nah, golf is, I, there's, it was just kind of like a placeholder in case something, I I use the same spreadsheet to fill in stuff every week. I do have one final thought in that, um, the Flyers and Islanders are warming up right now. And warming up for the first time in months is Oscar Lindblom. He's a survivor of cancer, and he's he's warming up for his first game. So, props to him. That's incredible. He uh, he's defeated his cancer enough, and he feels well enough to play a, a game six playoff game against the New York Islanders. So yeah, I was going to say, what a time to come back! But what what a welcome back he's going to get. It. So uh, expect the Flyers to play like hell today. Expect expect them to for, try to force a game seven. Um, real quick, I'm predicting that the Islanders do finish it off tonight, though. I don't know what the score will be, but I'm predicting Vancouver pushes a game seven against Vegas. What do you think? Um, I'm going to go the Islanders win tonight. Um, I'm thinking both teams are closing out. I'm thinking Islanders and Canucks are closing it out. No, the Canucks are down. Oh, no. Oh, no, the Canucks tie it, rather. I'm sorry. Okay. I was looking at the wrong day. Um, I have. I think the Stars win game seven tomorrow. Mm. For so I don't know I because it it's been like like for that series being tied I feel like it definitely has been like 
one of the more level playing fields. Like it hasn't been like an enormous tilt, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. They definitely have the better goalie start uh, starting. Well, expected to start. Yes, uh, is the stars. Anton Gudobin is significantly better than Michael Hutchinson. However, Hutch has played very well over the past two games. And I think all the momentum is on Colorado's side. You know, they've they had to force their way back into this position. They forced a game seven. I'm taking Colorado, but I'm not confident because Michael Hutchinson is not a great goalie. But if he's riding this hot streak, who knows? I mean, we we'll could see. Uh, I I was pulling for Colorado for most of this playoff, so I, I'm a little biased, but other than that, I think that's all we have for this week. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think next next episode, I'd imagine with the second round ending, I would assume to come out probably Monday, Tuesday ish, because we'll have a bunch of NHL news, baseball for sure, and then so yeah, I guess I would expect one early next, early to mid next week. I'd say Monday or Tuesday is probably a pretty good. We'll try. We'll we'll, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. The series, all the hockey series, like you said, will be over by then. Um, and we, we still have a lot of – I still have a lot of talk I want to talk about with the goalie market in hockey. But yep. we'll get into all that next time. Um, this has been The Unit Report. I'm Lucas. That's Troy. Follow us on Twitter at The Unit Report. And um, we'll see you guys next time. Sounds good.